Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Coronavirus and Sports. This is Luis Miguel Echegaray. Today, we'll be talking about minor league baseball and how Already Down continues its struggle due to the effects of the pandemic. We'll be chatting with SI senior editor Jason Schwartz to break down SI's cover article on the subject, which you can read today on SI.com. For a long time, baseball, America's pastime, has been known as more than just Major League Baseball. MLB, in fact, is a proverbial necklace where each chain is a minor league affiliate of some sort, reliant on its overall structure. It's where untested players are groomed, coaches developed, and games played in often unknown communities around the country. So what happens when a pandemic arrives and threatens the overall future of this community? one that was already fighting for its survival. According to multiple reports, a handful of minor league baseball teams are in some serious trouble. Out of the 160 minor league baseball teams, 42 could 42 be eliminated or seen significant Set to lose their affiliations the with most of them and the improve impact conditions and facilities. People who live in the area say they don't want to see the stadium just coming from a single A and double what A level. What did you level. think when you heard that? I said, why? It's part of Americana. Let's go back to November of 2019. MLB and minor league baseball remained in a stance as they worked on a new professional baseball agreement, replacing the one set to expire at the end of this year. Then came a proposal, one that would drastically change the landscape of minor league baseball, thus cutting the major league affiliations of 42 teams in the lower levels of the minors, mostly short season and rookie ball teams. Here's MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred arguing the strain minor league creates on the players. Inadequate showers, tiny locker rooms, no place for players to eat, no place for players to work out, travel that is not acceptable for professional players. 
bus rides, long, six, eight, ten hours. And trust me, in a lot of cases, it's not on a luxury cruise liner. It's on a school bus. We think our minor league players need to be paid better. You want to maintain the status quo? We can maintain the status quo, but we're going to maintain it with 120 franchises that are functional. You don't have 160 functional franchises. But as minor league baseball looked to find its feet and remain defiant against this proposal, then came COVID-19, bringing a totally new type of storm. SI's latest cover story, written by Robert Sanchez, deals with exactly this. We talked to senior editor Jason Schwartz, who worked with Robert on the piece, to tell us more about it. Joining us now is senior editor Jason Schwartz. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Luis. Good to be here. Jason, a fascinating, uh, insightful piece uh, from Robert Sanchez, which you can now read on SI.com. Let's let's paint a, fi- a picture first to our listeners who may not be familiar with the world of minor league baseball. Pandemic aside, how do these clubs exist and what is their affiliation to MLB? Right. So there are 160 minor league baseball clubs uh, across the country uh, affiliated with major league clubs. You know, you get your triple A, double A, single A, rookie league, and sort of the alphabet soup down there, all sorts of single A clubs. But the idea is this is where tomorrow's MLB players train today, um, come up through the system, get ready, uh, ready for the big leagues. What are some of the attendance numbers in a minor league game? So it really varies. Um, but by and large, they've been pretty good lately. We've seen over the years minor league baseball turn into really a sustainable business. Um, last year was, I believe, the 15th consecutive year with more than 40 million fans. And there were, I believe, 41 and a half million, which was up a million from the year before. So we've really seen that minor league clubs, in addition to featuring baseball prospects, have really developed a business model based on in-game entertainment, having, you know, crazy promotions and races and all, you know, all this other stuff going on around the game to get fans uh, in the door. And it's been very successful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, soccer being my first sport, I always connected to lower league soccer in many ways, specifically from the hyper-local perspective. And given the hyper-local attraction, how important is minor league baseball to communities around the country, would you say? Well, you know, we've seen teams in all sorts of places um, become big parts of their community. And that's sort of one of the charming things about minor league baseball is you've got minor league teams in relatively big cities like Charlotte, North Carolina, Sacramento, California, and also, you know, tiny towns across uh, across this great land to the prairies, et cetera, et cetera, um, in small towns where, you know, maybe a thousand people go to a game, but it's, you know, a big part of uh, what goes on locally in the summer. All right, let's focus on the pandemic and how the miners have been affected due to MLB's cost-cutting plans, as the piece obviously talks about. What were the first uh, piece of news that impacted the miners as COVID-19 hit? Right. So right now, the minor leagues are really getting hit with a one-two punch. So before even the pandemic uh, existed, Major League Baseball was trying to renegotiate the status of its agreement with uh, minor league baseball. There's this thing called the professional baseball agreement that basically governs how these 160 affiliates basically relate to the major league baseball clubs that, uh, that provide their players. It was time to renegotiate it. Major league baseball had proposed a plan that reportedly um, could lead to the elimination of some 42 affiliations, um, which 
probably means the elimination of 42 clubs. It'll be tough to stay in business without those affiliations and all sorts of other matters that boil down to saving Major League Baseball some money, they say making it easier to develop prospects in a more modern uh, way and ultimately give them much greater control over the minor league system, which right now is sort of a crazy quilt patchwork of local ownership, et cetera, et cetera. Teams make these deals to be affiliated with clubs in different cities. And it, it, MLB really wanted something much more top down. That that was part one. Part two is the pandemic, which has blown apart the business model for for reasons you can imagine. Wow. So, you know, even before the pandemic, uh, you know, in a way, minor league, if it was a boxer, if it was already going kind of down and then suddenly that COVID-19 hit and it's now on its knees, I imagine. Yeah, it's, it's sort of a tsunami on top of an earthquake. Um, but yeah, I mean, so Major League Baseball, we know obviously attendance provides a lot of revenue, but it's really the TV deals that are really what uh, what drives a lot across professional, uh, major professional sports, be it the NBA, MLB, NFL, whatever. Minor League Baseball, obviously, those TV deals don't exist. So teams are totally dependent on gate, on attendance to make their revenue. And if you can't have fans in the seats, that's just devastating to your business model. Right. As you read the piece... You know, so it, it it's full of information based on a survey, which indicated some real eye-widening statistics. What are some of the most revealing numbers? Uh, would you say, Robert Sanchez, the writer who wrote this piece, have been talking about how can we capture what minor league baseball is going through right now? Because just common sense tells you, you look at the landscape and go, oh boy, you know, some of these teams are going to be in trouble. Um, it'll be real surprising if everyone makes it through. Uh, so we were wondering how they might be affected. So we sent a survey out to all 160 affiliated minor league clubs um, and asked them a, a few different questions, not too many because we wanted to get responses. But one of them was on a scale of one to 10, please tell us how you think revenue lost this year will affect your ability to operate next year and in the future, both for your club and for other clubs you know, the old sort of like, how will you do and how will your neighbors do? Um, and the answers we got back were pretty startling. 24 of the 68 teams that replied, which was what we were pretty happy with that response rate, uh, getting 68 teams. So a little more than a third told us on a scale of one to 10, they were above a seven concerned about their ability to uh, continue operating next year. So that's wow. pretty high level. 12 clubs gave us a 10 out of 10 on that, worried about their concerns. So that's 12 out of 68 clubs that replied. And it wasn't just the lower level ones. That was two AAA clubs and 13 AA ones. And that's especially startling because AA is the level where a lot of the prime prospects are really developed. And you sort of think of those franchises being pretty established in a lot of cases. Um, and when we asked about other teams, the numbers were even more startling. 26 of the 68 teams told us that their concern level for other teams around them was a 10 out of 10. 70, about three quarters of the teams told us it was above a 7 out of 10. So the broad takeaway was everyone's worried about teams going out of business. Some clubs are worried about themselves going out of business, but everyone's worried about other clubs going out of business as well. The other two big things we took away from our survey was that more than half of the teams told us that they had already furloughed or laid off staffers. That was in late April. Um, so it wouldn't be unreasonable to think that those numbers are even higher now. Um, and we saw that 55 of the 68 teams that replied, so that's 81%, which is a pretty startlingly high number, had applied for and received PPP loans as part of the bailout efforts. Robert did follow-up interviews with several of uh, the teams that replied, 
And the thing we heard is, you know, these, you know, loans we're getting from the government, you know, they're nice. So, you know, buy us a few weeks, buy us, um, you know, eight weeks maybe. But after that, if we don't start to get revenue coming in, uh, get people in the doors, it's going to be big trouble for us. We'll return after these short messages. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jason, obviously, uh, you mentioned, and as the piece mentions, how this uh, affects communities. How directly does it affect local communities? Right. Well, it affects communities in a bunch of ways. Uh, obviously, there are jobs. There's the local you know, economic engine that runs through these baseball teams with advertising, promotions, et cetera, et cetera. When news started coming out about Major League Baseball wanting to um, – eliminate some affiliations, you saw a lot of politicians, there was sort of a political brouhaha. Um, Bernie Sanders, senator from Vermont, uh, former mayor of Burlington, Vermont, uh, was pretty uh, outspoken about it in part because the Vermont Lake Monsters of Burlington, Vermont, were one of the teams uh, that uh, were reported as potentially slated uh, to be to lose their affiliation with the club and then perhaps go out of business. So, and, you know, what he was talking about is like, these are a lot of jobs. These are good for the community. These, you know, minor league baseball teams, they're sort of a hub of activity and losing those teams is a real loss for a lot of places. Um, and there's also really a cultural uh, element to it too. You know, minor league baseball is really deeply woven in, in our culture in a lot of ways. Think of Bull Durham, we think of all these other movies and whatever. But, you know, for, for the people who go to these games or regulars at minor league baseball uh, stadiums, you know, one thing that we see in a lot of small towns is that local families host players. And Robert has a great scene in the story of some of these host families um, going and hanging out outside one of these stadiums in Colorado Springs because that team had been doing curbside takeout with uh, ballpark food to try to make a little money to, to keep their kitchen staff going and employed. And, you know, we saw in the, in the piece, Robert talked to some of these host families from this baseball team, and they're all, you know, it's part of their culture. It's part of their community. It's a thing they love doing every summer. And, and that's one of the things that's really at risk here. Yeah, that's a really good point, because one of the things that I always wanted to know as well was obviously there's a lot of Latino talent that comes and they're hosted by these. I mean, one of my favorite movies is Sugar, right? That movie about the Dominican player that comes to the U.S., et cetera. So how, in terms of players, like how is it affecting them? Because we're not talking about, you know, your big time players here. We're talking about those folks who are just trying to make a living out of playing baseball. 
Right. You know, it's sort of like baseball's own form of uh, cultural exchange. You get, you know, players from all over the world, especially the Caribbean, coming to these small towns um, across the country and then living with folks. Right. In terms of how it affects players, it, it will affect how players are developed. Teams may try to develop more players in their own complexes, so to speak, spring training uh, complexes that already uh, have um, extended uh, spring training teams where a lot of rookies are kept, basically keep the players in-house instead of sending them out to these minor league teams to, to try to work them up. To that point, you mentioned about you know how the image of minor leagues and the way that MLB maybe streamlines minor league might look different. How would that look like? What would be a, a vision of MLB and their affiliates with minors? Right. So in in fairness to Major League Baseball, they say that their argument is that in redoing this agreement with the minor leagues, they want a more modernized system that's, you know, pays prospects more, gives them more um, modern facilities, modern training, basically just brings the whole thing up to speed. Um, Right now, we have this system that's sort of developed over the years and is quite charming and lovable but also maybe not how you design it now where you have very, you know, all these teams all over the countries with different owners and major league teams go make deals with them to be their affiliates and sort of the, this patchwork, you know, so you might have a baseball team in California with a triple A team in Nevada and a double A team in Arkansas. Who knows? I'm making that up. But it, it's like I said, sort of this crazy quilt. Uh, major league baseball would like to see something more geographically contiguous. I think um, everything's sort of more, streamlined in a sense that, uh, you know, teams are near other teams that they're playing and teams are near their um, parent ball clubs and also just gives something that gives MLB greater control over the development of the prospects, which is probably one of the biggest parts of this. Right. MLB clubs, as the piece reminds us, are not directly allowed to pump cash into their affiliates, but, but they've been helping in other ways or how has been the communication between minors and majors during the outbreak? So from what we understand is it's pretty non-existent. Um, you know, my, Major League Baseball clubs, per, per various rules, are not allowed to just directly um, give cash to their affiliates and say, hey, we're going to keep you in business. But what's chafed a lot of the executives that Robert spoke to is, you know, geez, we haven't even gotten a call. Hey, how are you? Um, are you guys going to be okay? Is there anything we can do to help? Uh, you know, right now, minor league baseball and major league baseball are in the middle of a really tough negotiation over that professional baseball agreement. And, you know, it's, uh, it's not a lot of love lost right now. And frankly, you know, this is a little bit of conjecture, but major league baseball has taken a lot of flack for this plan that was going to eliminate a lot of teams. If the pandemic essentially does that work for them, then it gets them where they want to be. Um, without them having to look like the villain. You know, you, you mentioned previously about, you know, the importance, obviously, of TV contract negotiations. You know, the other part of this is local TV contract negotiations is if, if a season gets canceled, because, you know, an empty stadium, I imagine, is better than no action at all. Is, is there thinking of many clubs to keep the action going, you know, in order for at least to get some kind of, of, you know, not just ball play action, but also, you know, some revenue. So unfortunately, the the economics of that just don't work for minor league baseball. Right. Not enough people want to watch a uh, Bowie Bay Sox or pick your team, Sacramento River Cats, Toledo Mudhens. Not enough people want to watch those games on TV 
for the TV deals to be really worth anything if they exist at all. So one of the questions that we asked, uh, we asked in our survey was if there, if games are not played this year, how much of your revenue do you expect to lose? And almost every response we got was 95 to a hundred percent, you know, teams get revenue. Minor league baseball teams only get revenue from game games being played. That's people buying tickets, paying for concessions, buying, you know, hats at the, at the store or whatever. Um, and, you know, that's another thing. The Major League Baseball obviously has a big merchandise business. You know, you might go online, buy a Red Sox or a Baltimore Orioles or whatever hat, but not nearly as many people are going online and buying that Toledo Mudheads hat. Right. It's really getting people in the stadium and making your money that way. And obviously also on the advertising uh, that goes on um, that, you know, and all that's in stadium as well. So without games, there's really no economic model to support minor league baseball. Jason, I'm throwing one uh, out of left field to you here. Is there, when you were doing this investigation alongside obviously the writer, Robert Sanchez, was there a specific area, location, uh, spot, region in the U.S. that was uh, looked even more concerning than others, would you say? You know, the striking thing was that there wasn't. And, you know, what, like I said, one of the charms of minor league baseball is that, you know, they, they play it, uh, they play it in Maine, they play it in Wyoming, you know, on the prairie, it's big cities, small cities all over. And, you know, it there wasn't a discernible pattern of like, hey, teams in, you know, bigger cities are better off or teams in small. So obviously some of the more established teams might be better off the, the ones that you probably know of but you know there there are teams all over the country that are hurting there are teams all over the country that are going to be in danger of going out of business um right if there right. are no games this year COVID 19 is an equal opportunist i guess um jason i'll give you one more question as you were doing this piece let, let's say that you're writing a follow-up six months from now I mean, it's all conjecture, it's all hypothetical, but what would you say would be the outcome here? How can this be solved if we're looking at this at a positive light? If you were thinking about this six months from now? You know, one of the, one of the things that, uh, that's in the piece that, that some people, some minor league baseball executives mentioned to Robert um, was that if we want minor league baseball to continue to and sort of continue in the way that we've all come to know and love it, that there's going to have to be some sort of congressional action. There will have to be some sort of bailout. Um, and that's sort of wild to think about that, you know, we're, we're at a point where we're going to be asking Congress to bail out minor league baseball, of all things. While I don't think that's necessarily likely, I think what that does is show you how dire the situation has become. So if in six, it does, look, it does not look likely that there will be games with fans this year. Um, and how that shakes out for minor league baseball, it's, you know, I wouldn't want to predict, but it certainly doesn't look good. Jason Schwartz, um, senior editor, a really good piece. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thanks, Luis. As Jason reminds us, minor league struggles are more than just a sporting issue. And in order to fully understand them, it's vital to take into account the towns and cities in which they exist. If Congress does indeed take a role, it's because of the understanding that the success of minor league ballparks and its employees are directly related to hyper-local sustainability. It's about the neighborhoods and the people that live inside them. And that's an American pastime 
that can't be ignored. Thanks to Jason Shorts for joining me today. Make sure to read Robert Sanchez's article on SI.com. We'll continue bringing you these stories throughout the coronavirus crisis. If you like what we're doing, please recommend us to a friend or family member and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. You can listen to Coronavirus and Sports for free wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe or follow us for the latest episodes. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.